O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, January 13th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans 10.17. So then, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit, as it is written in Isaiah 55.11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the Bread Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Beshalach, and it means, When He Let Go. Exodus 15, 27-16, And they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there beside the water. Setting out from Elam, the whole Israelite community came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. In the wilderness, the whole Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of Hashem in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, when we ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to starve this whole congregation to death. And Hashem said to Moses, I will rain down bread for you from the sky, and people shall go out and gather each day that day's portion, that I may thus test them to see whether they will follow my instructions or not. 
But on the sixth day, when they apportion what they have brought in, it shall prove to be double the amount they gather each day. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, By evening you shall know it was Hashem who brought you out from the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall behold the presence of Hashem, because he has heard your grumblings against Hashem. For who are we that you should grumble against us? Since it is Hashem, Moses continued, who will give you flesh to eat in the evening and bread in the morning to the full, because Hashem has heard the grumblings you utter against him. What is our part? Your grumbling is not against us, but against Hashem. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole Israelite community, Advance toward Hashem, for he has heard your grumbling. And as Aaron spoke to the whole Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness, and there in a cloud appeared the presence of Hashem. Matthew 9, 18-38 While he, Yeshua, spake these things to them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshipped him, saying, My daughter is even now dead, but come and lay your hand upon her, and she shall live. And Yeshua arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman, which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years, came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. And Yeshua turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when Yeshua came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making a noise, he said to them, Give place, for the maid is not dead but sleeps. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose. And the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. And when Yeshua departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Yeshua said to them, Believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Yeshua straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knows it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying it was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He casts out devils through the prince of the devils. And Yeshua went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Psalm 11, 1-7 In the Lord do I put my trust. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? 
For lo, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous, the Lord loves righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. I'd like to share with you today from the Exodus Torah portion, Exodus 15 and 16. And then we're going to jump into Psalm 11, and I'm going to expand on Psalm 11. And in Exodus chapter 16, we see that the people have successfully crossed through the Red Sea. The Egyptians following in hot pursuit have been drowned in the waters. And now they're on the other side of the Red Sea, and they're beginning to murmur and complain and grumble. And what they're saying in chapter 16, verse 3, is if only we had died by the hand of Hashem in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots, when we ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to starve the whole congregation to death. So they're looking at food, that there is no food, and now they're grumbling. And they're seeming to forget the great miracles that God has done to deliver them out of the hand of the oppressors, out of the hand of Pharaoh. And they're not trusting in the Lord. So this is a real important takeaway for us. As we go through our own global pandemic and all of the consequences and ripple effects from it, we must not complain, murmur, or grumble against God. But we must trust him that he is going to deliver us and is delivering us in a myriad of ways. On an individual basis, he's doing that. But he's also going to collectively deliver his people. And so Moses and Aaron answer them and say, By evening you shall know it was Hashem who brought you out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will behold the presence of God, because he has heard your grumblings against him. For who are we that you should grumble against us? So may we not make that mistake and grumble against the Lord. Now I want to jump into Psalm 11, and then I'm going to cross-reference this to Revelation chapter 6, uh, verse 1 and 2. Let's start in in Psalm 11 starting in verse 2 and 3. For lo, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. 
If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So what came to my mind as I read those verses is that we are truly in a very unconventional war right now. And it's not um, a typical kinetic war with soldiers and boots on the ground, with missiles and, and bullets flying and bombs going off, but it's a different kind of a war. It's a psychological war uh, through the media. It's also a bioweapon war. And um, let's just cross-reference that now to Revelation 6, 1 and 2, and then I, then you'll see the connection. Revelation 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, I'm not the first one to see this. There have been other teachers who've commented on this and seen this insight but many are saying that this white horse was the coronavirus we have a crown that's on the head of the writer and corona coronavirus means crown corona is crown and that word bow in the Hebrew, in the greek that word bow is toxin toxin as in poison but isn't it interesting that this rider goes out on a white horse with a bow, but with no arrows? No arrows, just the bow. And he goes out and he conquers. Okay, so here's one possible interpretation. The bow was the release of the coronavirus. It was designed and engineered, and then it was purposefully released, and that's the bow. And the arrows are the jab, the bioweapon injection. I won't call it a vaccine. It's a bioweapon injection. Those are the arrows. And so now let's go back to Psalm 11, verse 2. For lo, the wicked bend their bow, toxin, and they make ready their arrow, the bioweapon injection, upon the string that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. And what is the primary organ that is being most attacked by this jab? It is the heart. It causes myocarditis. It causes inflammation of the heart. It causes micro tears in the blood vessels and micro bleeding and inflammation and all kinds of circulatory and heart problems. And it causes all kinds of other problems as well and death. So that's what kind of came to my mind, the first horse of the uh, four horses that ride out on Revelation chapter 6, uh, that the coronavirus is that first horse. And the, the bow is the jab, or no, the, the bow is the actual coronavirus, and the arrows are all the needles that are being injected into people with this bioweapon toxin. But now let's take a look at the second seal, the second horse. Revelation chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. 
And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. So this second horse is a red horse, and it is the horse of war. Now what I'd like to do is share with you the article that Stephen Spikerman wrote for the January prayer theme of the month coming from thetorahouse.com. And if you go to that website, thetorahouse.com, and you click on prayer theme for the month, and then click on January 2022, you will be able to see this article and there's some nice illustrations and pictures in it. I'm not going to share all of it in its entirety, but it's it's an excellent analysis. And his assertion, his clarion call and cry, is that the second horse of the apocalypse, the second horse from Revelation 6, the red horse, is about to run. Israel, Iran, face-off. Second horse of the apocalypse about to run. Written by Stephen Spikerman. So I'm going to just read a portion of this article to you. Ever since Israel became a nation, she has tended to put her confidence in man rather than seek the help of her maker. By seeking the help and protection from the nations around her, and in every case it has proved to be a grave mistake. Jehu was one of the kings of the northern kingdom of Israel. He went on a mission to cement his friendship with the Assyrian emperor in an act of abject appeasement. This has been recorded for posterity on the Rosetta Stone Monument in the British Museum. It ended in tears as the Assyrian Empire subsequently invaded the northern kingdom of Israel on three separate occasions, taking the surviving population into captivity to Assyria. Judah also made the same mistake several times. When the Babylonian Empire loomed large, she went to Egypt for help, and this ended very poorly for them as well. The emperor, Nebuchadnezzar, invaded and destroyed Solomon's glorious temple and took the people captive to Babylon. After seventy years of captivity, some fifty thousand Jews were permitted to return to the land of Israel. After some centuries had passed, they were to meet their next challenge. In the days of Antiochus, Epiphanes, and the Maccabees, they suffered heinous oppression by the Greek Seleucid Empire. Under pressure from the Greeks, they made the mistake of seeking the help of Rome, And, as history is our witness, this too ended in sorrow and misery when the Roman army burnt down the temple and razed it to the ground. One million Jews were crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. From there followed the Bar Kokhba revolt, which led to the total obliteration of the Jewish nation. The succession of Jewish revolts made it imperative for the empire not just to defeat the Jews, but to make an object lesson of them, to humiliate and break them, and totally deprive them of military capability. The Romans destroyed the Jewish state by burning down the temple, the synagogues, schools, houses of study, and libraries. They tortured and executed teachers and scribes, and enslaved and exiled 60,000 able-bodied men of the survivors. They plowed Jerusalem over, wiped out many Jewish villages off the map, and replaced it with a gentle, 
population. Gentile population. They changed the name of Jerusalem to Palestina, and Jews were told never to return on pain of death. At the end of the reign of Hadrian, when Rome was through with them, the Jews were ruthlessly crushed and demilitarized, a limping, bleeding emblem of the futility of war against the power of the empire. No other ancient people were so thoroughly defeated and humiliated as the Jews were by Rome, and with such tragic consequences. Prepare for War Without question, the greatest miracle of the 20th century is to see the house of Judah arise from the ashes of the Holocaust, with the people planted afresh in the land of Israel after an absence of some 19 centuries. Yet it seems every generation is fated to make the same mistake as previous generations. Today we see the modern state of Israel facing an existential threat from Iran and her terrorist allies. A recent headline reads, just one wrong move. Iranian newspaper shows Israeli targets all lined up. The Tehran Times front page has hundreds of points marked in red under the headline, Just One Wrong Move. The article ends with a warning given in 2013 by their then-leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, who said that while Israel was threatening to strike militarily, they must know that if they make a mistake, the Islamic Republic will destroy Tel Aviv and Haifa. In 2012, the Iranian government formally laid out the legal and religious justification for the destruction of Israel and the slaughter of its people. The doctrine includes wiping out Israeli assets and Jewish people worldwide, calling Israel a danger to Islam. See the document below for details. The Iranian leadership's continuing declarations of intent to destroy Israel, from 2012. In August of the same year, the commander of the Revolutionary Guards, Brigadier General Sayed Mehdi Farahi, stated that the Safir missile, which is capable of transporting a satellite into space, can easily be launched parallel to the Earth's orbit. Thus, it will be transformed into an intercontinental ballistic missile. Western analysts did not believe this would happen until 2015. This means that Iran now has the ICBM missiles to deliver destruction on Israel and will soon have the nuclear warheads for those missiles. For more facts on Iran's nuclear and missile capabilities, visit iranwatch.org. Sixty percent of the Jewish population is concentrated in three cities, Tel Aviv, Jerusalem, and Haifa. Alarisa Forgani, a high-ranking strategic analyst, has proposed that Iran could target these three cities with Shahab-3 ballistic missiles, killing all the inhabitants. Forgani suggests that Iran's Sajil missile, which has a two-stage rocket with a trajectory and speed that makes it impossible to intercept, he proposes that Iran should target the Israeli Rafael nuclear plant, the main nuclear engineering center of Israel. He also proposes that the Sajil missile could be used against the Ilun nuclear plant, another Israeli reactor in Nebrin, and the Dimona reactor and the nuclear research center in Negev, the most critical reactor in Israel because it produces 90% of the uranium for Israel's nuclear weapons. 
Finally, he says that the Shahab-3 and the Ghadr missiles can target urban settlements until the Israelis are wiped out. He claims that Israel could be destroyed in less than nine minutes. This time, the threat is especially lethal. The latest news, as of December 17, 2021, is this. The U.S. sees Iran nuclear breakout time as really short, from a senior official. Another news headline, Iran threatens to liberate Jerusalem and blow up their nuclear reactor. And meanwhile, on September 30th, Hamas organized a conference in Gaza City whose theme was Post-Liberation Israel. And so the headline reads, Hamas-sponsored conference examines post-liberation Israel. And so the whole conference was all about what it will be like after Palestine has been liberated. The second horse of the apocalypse is about to run. Revelation chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see, another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. This is terrible news for Israel as well as the rest of the world, as it seems now that the second seal of the book of a revelation is about to be opened by one of the living creatures. This threat from Iran has been building for the last 40 years, which began when the radical mullahs of Iran announced their religious goal and fanatical intent for the destruction of Israel. All this time, the state of Israel has rested secure in the belief that her favorite ally and superpower friend, the U.S., would step in to protect her. Alas, for those able to see, for quite some time now, ever since the onset of President Hussein Obama's first term in office, there have been signs that things may not be that certain. The Biden administration does not look like they are going to be there for Israel if war breaks out. Just look at what happened in Afghanistan with so many Americans left behind in the botched pullout. If ever Israel needed our concerted prayers, the time is now. And here are some prayer targets. We want to pray for the leaders of Israel, both civilian and military, that they wake up to the mortal danger that the nation is in. Some of the key people in the Israeli government still cannot believe that the U.S. will not help them this time around. We want to pray that Mr. Herzog, the President of Israel, will come to understand the danger that the nation is in. Pray that he will call for a national day of fasting and prayer. And we want to pray that Yahweh will change the minds of the officials in the State Department to make available those vital KC-46 tanker aircrafts and send them to Israel. They've been withheld from Israel and greatly delayed. We want to pray that all the war moves of the Iranians and their terrorist allies in Hezbollah, Hamas, and Syria will become known to the Israelis and that they will take action to do swift countermeasures. And we want to pray that Yahweh will send help to his besieged nation, Israel. And we want to pray that all those millions who pray for Israel around the world will increase the intensity of their prayers and intercession for Israel. So in closing, in a quick summary, 
we took a look at Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, the white horse that went out conquering with a bow, and that this crown, that this white horse could very well have been the coronavirus that was loosed and released, and that the arrows that seem to be missing in that picture that is described, we cross-referenced it to Psalm 11, Psalm 11, verse 2, For lo, the wicked bend their bow, and they make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And then we looked at the second horse, the red horse, the horse of war, and shared an article from thetorahouse.com in the prayer theme of the month section. Let's come back to this question that the psalmist asks. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And we are seeing the foundations of basic society and culture being destroyed. Our economy is being destroyed. There's many, 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 many uh, jobs, but they can't find workers to fill the jobs. The supply chain is broken. The hospital uh, hospital system is broken. They don't have enough workers to staff the hospitals, and you can't really even trust hospitals anymore to give proper treatment if you have COVID. Um, many of our foundations, the, the mainstream media is broken. The foundation has been completely eroded and infiltrated by um, communist ideals. What can the righteous do with all these foundations that have been destroyed? Verse 4 gives us the answer to the question. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. The Lord tries the righteous, but the wicked and him that loves violence his soul hates. So for us, this is a trial. This is a test. And we want to pass the test. And we don't want to murmur, complain, or grumble. We want to cry out to the Lord and put our trust in Him. Verse 7, For the righteous Lord loves righteousness. His countenance does behold the upright. So, as we go through our various personal trials, we want to be helping others. Helping the vulnerable, helping the needy, helping the weak. We want to uphold and... um, Be righteous towards others that need our help. Because that's the heart of our Messiah. And we need to put our trust in Him and keep our eyes on Him. And He is going to answer. He is going to intervene. The Lord will surely do it. He will punish the wicked. He will judge the wicked. And He will protect and preserve His righteous ones. So be blessed. Check out that article. It's on thetorahouse.com under Prayer Theme of the Month for January of 2022. And we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Yeah, I 
से लेखा लेखा The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6:24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace